listening to Make Your Way, Season 5, Episode 3. Welcome to Make Your Way, where we explore what it means to work and create on your own terms. Along with every episode, we post show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript. You can find these materials at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Katie? I'm good. I feel like we haven't recorded in a little while, so I'm excited to chat with you today about content marketing. Oh, content marketing. It's like one of those buzzwords that's all around the interwebs. So what does it even mean? We're going to talk a little bit about it today and about how we both approach it. So uh, Katie, if you want to start us off, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you think about with respect to content marketing and um, what that means to you. So I feel like content marketing is, like you said, it's a buzzword where people are probably already doing it if they produce any kind of content. The way I think about it is it's a platform through which you can kind of establish your expertise around a particular topic because you're writing around a particular topic or maybe more than one topic. But also it's a way to kind of build trust and consistency so that when you do kind of launch a product around a particular theme or idea, people are like, oh, yeah, like, of course you would do that. Like, you know, it makes sense that you would have a product or a service around that particular piece of content. I think it's also a way to kind of draw people in to your way of thinking about a particular topic. So um, it's a way to kind of have people get to know you before they work with you, understand kind of your philosophies around a particular thing. Um, And so I actually really like it from that perspective. I feel like it's very relational. Um, I think when you start kind of (laughs) pulling it apart from like a marketing perspective, like it can get, you know, less interesting (laughs) or just like you know i i think anytime you start kind of like infusing with marketing speak and moving away from like the relational community part Mm -hmm. it can make people uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um which is why i wanted to talk about this today because i do feel like it's something that it's actually one of the most natural ways i think of engaging in marketing um and it sounds kind of fancy you know like content marketing and i think it leads into content strategy conversations, which again, can kind of make people feel kind of itchy if they're they're not <laughs> moving in that direction already. Um, or even content calendaring, you know, like all of those kinds of things. Um, but how, how do you think about it? Is it similar? Or do you have other ways of defining it? Yeah, I think I think for me, content marketing is really um, most of the marketing that I do, frankly, like I don't, I don't necessarily think of myself as doing other types of marketing that aren't content related. I mean, Katie, you and I both are largely selling products and services either on online or via sort of our, our internet connections, um, as well as some in-person ones too. But, um, a lot of that is based on our ability to, um, show our expertise and our ability to, you know, showcase the different kinds of work that we do and the things that we can talk about and and present on and those sorts of things. So I think for me, content is a huge part of, uh, you know, of that, that marketing side of things. And without that, I don't know what I would market exactly. Like I, whenever, right. I, whenever I get into, uh, and, and it's content marketing, I would say is the most natural one for me. Um, whenever I get into a place where I feel like I have to say a particular thing like, oh, did you know I do public speaking gigs? Like that is always a thing where I'm like, no, that feels really weird. But if I can, 
you know, either by showing a few photos from a recent speaking event that I did, or whether I can, you know, again, share a, a video on a topic that I'm doing some speaking on, those kinds of things um, I find are much more natural um, and, and less about like, look at me, look at me, and more about like, here's what I think about this. What do you think? Um, so I, I prefer that kind of uh, that kind of approach. Like you said, the relational side of things, I think is really important to me as well. And so, you know, that's how I think about content marketing. Um, I know a lot of other people, as you said, like when you get into the marketing kind of lingo side of things, people think of content marketing differently, potentially than than the relational side of things. Um, but mm -hmm. I think for you, and well, I think both, it, it adds pressure. I yeah. think <laughs> right. you start putting the lingo in there. But yeah. I also think one of the things that challenges people about content marketing is oftentimes the content you're putting out is free. Right. So this is a part of your business that you are generating content. And I, a lot of people, I think, eventually will ask the question of like, is this worth it? Like, mm -hmm. what is the return on investment, especially mm -hmm. if you're doing content that is really time intensive mm -hmm. or if you are putting together a really well-produced YouTube channel, that's a lot of time to put that out there. And and I think unless you are hearing directly from clients, I came to you because of this piece of content that you put out, you're, everyone will eventually ask the question of like, is this worth my time mm -hmm. to be doing this? And it's one of those things I think you and I have talked about several times in the past about you don't always know like where people are coming in from in terms of your funnel. And this is one of those areas that I think is is hard to mm -hmm. know. Like, mm -hmm. are, is it actually working? And because reputation is such a slippery thing, and I feel like a lot of content marketing is around reputation and trying to build your expertise. And in academia, we think about those things in a really different way. Like, yeah. yes, our CV contributes to our, our expertise and, and the articles we publish and things like that. But when you get into blogging and podcasting and videos and those kinds of things, like it's, I feel like it's really slippery. It's mm -hmm. hard to know if that's actually making an impact. Mm -hmm. Or an impact in the ways that you want it to. So I can use an example from my own work here. I, you know, I've been recently um, putting some time and effort really into the Honestly series and developing that and releasing content more regularly and that sort of thing. And you know, though I think that project is really important for me long term and for my creative muscles and all of those sorts of things, it also isn't necessarily directly tied to the type of business I'm I'm doing, the type of, of services I'm offering or that sort of thing. So my content marketing in, in the Honestly series, though it showcases certain skills that I like to highlight, it does not necessarily speak directly to the topics that I'm, you know, sharing with sharing with people when I go and do talks or, you know, a lot of the video production kinds of things that I'm getting into. So it's a it's kind of a different arm that is related, but is and is important for me as a as a creative individual to be doing that work. But you're right, like if I have people coming to me for that series, that's great, but it doesn't necessarily turn into revenue dollars for services and products in the same way. And so I have to be really thoughtful about, you know, yes, putting some energy into that creative series is important, but what other areas do I need to spend some time doing some more thoughtful content marketing, quote unquote, kind of strategy mm -hmm. stuff? Um, because it, at the end of the day, putting out a bunch of free content on something that's not directly tied to your business, though it might be creatively inspiring and fulfilling, 
might not be the best business strategy. <laughs> well, I I would push back on that though because I do think that the Honestly series is really about you building your brand mm-hmm. in a very kind of in a slightly different way than mm-hmm. you've done in the past. And I think when people work with you, they see that side of you, you know, like if they hire you, but now you're putting that out there and saying like I'm a person who really cares about the whole person, like mm-hmm. <laughs> who yeah. really understands that like life can be not so great and yeah. we are, we have to deal with that. And we don't know like where this is going in terms of like future products or services you might offer. But I feel like there is definitely an intentionality here about building out your brand mm-hmm. where people might be drawn into that. Like yeah. they might actually, they may not need video production work, but you don't ever quite know. This is the hard part, I think, right. about content marketing. Yeah. You don't ever quite know why someone might be drawn in. You know, it could be some off the cuff thing that you say in a podcast episode or a blog and people are like, oh, I feel connected to you <laughs> because right. you said that. Right. And you're like, oh, this was like a thing that's not tied to my business. That's <laughs> not, you know, it's like some random fact about me. Um, but I think that when it comes to the honesty series, I do see it as actually really being tied to your brand, even if it's not tied to specific products or services right now. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for saying so, because I, I, I do think there is there is a little bit of a long-term strategy. I wouldn't call it a strategy. A long-term uh, direction? <laughs> General, very broad direction. <laughs> I'm shocked, I'm Sarah, about. that you don't what? have a strategic five-year plan when what? it comes to the Honestly series. <laughs> Oh, I love throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, but there are downsides to it, too. Um, no, but I think, you know, I think as I'm continuing to develop this series, I do get sort of the most heartfelt responses from people from that content. And th- that is important to me. And there is something really powerful about that. Um, I recently released a video on my walk with infertility and like, side note, it's, it's interesting to me. So many people were like, that was so brave and courageous for sharing. And I was like, it didn't feel like bravery to me. To me, it was Mm -hmm. like, I, I just, I needed to make this thing. And, you know, it, it is what it is. And if my story can help somebody else, then awesome. That's what I want to do. I want to, you know, put these messages out there. And a lot of people reached out and were just, you know, from my real life, quote unquote, and also from people I've never met before who were just like, I was really drawn to your message and I really appreciated this and thank you for sharing and all of this. And I was like, great, like there's clearly something here that's important. That connection is important. But you're right. I don't know what that's going to lead to product and service wise five to 10 years down the line. You know, I'm building a something, whether that something will ever fully manifest into a giant portion of my business or not, I don't know. Um, but frankly, I guess I don't care because it's important mm-hmm. to me, uh, you know, as a person to be doing this work. So um, that said, it's also important to me to be doing work that I'm getting paid for. So, so Katie, there's as, a balance. There is, <laughs> there is a balance. You need to do both. So Katie, as you're thinking about content marketing, uh, you know, as it's directly related to your to your products and services, are you thinking um, pretty, you know, strategically about when to release certain things or how to frame certain things so, so that it fits really well with either an existing product or service you have or something that you're planning on in the next few months or, or weeks or years? So I would say yes and no. <laughs> They're definitely, so I'll give like a very concrete example of planning. So I recently did um, basically like my quarter two content calendar for my podcast, my blog, and I'm putting out four pieces of content every week. So it is helpful for me to kind of plan that out in advance. 
one, to not have kind of creative fatigue where I'm like constantly trying to come up with new ideas. It's actually better for me to sit down for an hour or two and just be like, what are all the ideas I have and where do I want to put them? But for example, at one point um, later in in May, as we record this, we're recording this in late April, I'm going to talk about my summer writing plans and I'm going to use that as a vehicle to talk about my summer writing groups. Um, and that makes sense. Like it, there's just kind of a nice overlap there because I'm thinking about summer writing. Are you thinking about summer writing? You might be interested in my summer writing groups. I'm not going to use it as an entire commercial for the mm-hmm. summer writing groups, but I'm definitely going to mention them. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that to me is a kind of content marketing. There are other things though that I think there are so many topics I talk about that I don't have any kind of service or product around. Um, I, I do a lot of, um, content around creativity, productivity, you know, and part of that is really just building out my brand and and people's awareness of the kind of work that I do. So some of it is tied to coaching. And I think that there is a level of trust that gets built there because people see that I'm like doing this, you know, like that I am a productive um, and I think relatively successful scholar. I mean, I think people could say that I add things to my CV on a regular basis if that's how we're defining success in academia. Um, But I think that people also see me actively trying to have an aligned life (laughs) and to like balance out, you know, with the things that I think are important with how what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis and and that's an important thing for me too so in that way like yes there are like direct connections the other side of that though why I say kind of no is I often find myself like you have talked about before Sarah like following the energy of something and I don't always know whether a product or service is going to come out of that and so sometimes it works in kind of the opposite direction where I'm not planning ahead I'm just doing my thing And then I end up building something and it's like, so it kind of served as a kind of content marketing, but it wasn't necessarily planned. It was just something that I was interested in and I talked about it a lot. And a good example of that might be, I wasn't super planful or strategic around my radical self-trust stuff. I knew I would eventually have a program. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know when I was going to launch it. I didn't know the format, the structure. But people were interested in it enough that I was like, well, I I need to do something to kind of give people a structure around this. So, but I was talking about radical self-trust for a long time because I just was passionate about it and I was trying to live it out and I was trying to show people examples of what it looked like and I was exploring it. So through my exploration, especially through blogging about it and some podcasting about it as well, I really felt like I was able to have a deeper understanding for myself And that ended up translating to people about I'm kind of the expert on this topic and maybe you want to come to this program with me. So I think that there are certain ways in which it naturally happens. I mean, that's the good news about content marketing is that it's not always like you have to have a content calendar around it. I think sometimes it's just something that you're naturally interested in. And so you want to talk about it and and explore it from a bunch of different angles. And that happens to have this kind of side effect for people that you're kind of the natural expert that they would want to talk to about it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I would, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking totally of your radical self-trust framework that like for a long time, you didn't have a name for it. You didn't know necessarily what you were going to do with it. But when you kind of got to that place where you could look back and be like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Like everything that you had been talking about fit into that framework. Right, right. Um, and so it was just sort of a natural evolution. So I think there's, I think what we're, what we're kind of trying to, you know, talk around or about here is that there's really these, the the way that we experience it, at least there are these two kinds of 
types of content marketing. There's the really intentional stuff where we're like, okay, I've got this piece of content or I have this uh, service or product that I'm trying to, you know, talk about um, and share a little bit around so that people understand that I'm connected to this idea or that I, you know, I think deeply about this thing or that I do offer this product or service. And then there are other things that are just, you know, interesting things that we think about or that we spend our time and energy doing that then kind of morph into something that we're not expecting. But when you look back, you're like, oh, yeah, no, that was totally content marketing. Who knew? (laughs) Right. Well, and that's the best thing when you have a client who comes to you and they're like, I came to you because of this thing. Yeah. Like that you did or that you put out there. And like recently, I've had a couple of coaching clients reach out and they've specifically said, I've listened to your podcast for a long time. Mm-hmm. Or I had one of my writing group members say, I was working on my book proposal when you were talking about your book mm-hmm. on uh, what used to be Anatomy of a Book and mm-hmm. now is Think, Write, Revise. Like they they had followed my story for a long time and eventually kind of came into purchasing a product or service because there was a relationship there that had been kind of built and they felt that connection The interesting thing, though, is like those connections and relationships are so different for every person. Right. And you don't know. Like what we've talked about this before. Like you just can't plan for some of this stuff where someone like starts to see that you're a human, basically, Mm -hmm. like because Mm -hmm. you share out certain kinds of details about your life and they want to follow that. They want like there's certain kinds of narratives I think we share And a good example of this is like recently I renovated my kitchen. And so you could follow along with this process, mostly on my Instagram stories. And I've I've blogged about it a couple of times. Um, But this is like, I'm not going to start designing kitchens for people. I'm not (laughs) going to start like this is this has nothing to do with Mm -hmm. like who. But it does show you like this side of my life that is, you know, I, I got kind of discombobulated by it. I talked about that. I talked about planning for disruption. You know, like I used it as a way to kind of frame certain kinds of topics that I am interested in, in terms of routines and productivity and and how do you plan for things that are, you know, disrupting those routines. And so that's the other piece about content marketing is you can take things from your life and you get to choose the boundaries of like what you're going to share in terms of your personal life. And like Sarah, you've recently shared about your infertility journey. Like these are the kinds of things that you can shape into what could eventually be content marketing. And Mm -hmm. Again, you're not about to become like an infertility specialist. You're not trying to like, you know, I mean, like this is not your goal, but you don't quite know where this is going to go for you. And it's just about being honest and genuine Mm -hmm. about the kinds of things that you're dealing with and how you're dealing with them. It's in some ways, I think, not to like put a layer onto what you're doing, but like you're really sharing process in Mm -hmm. some ways Mm -hmm. about how to deal with these kinds of things. And there are difficult things, but in some ways the patterns will emerge Mm -hmm. about like how you're dealing with these things and how you think it could be helpful for other people to deal with these things. That creates connection. That Mm -hmm. creates, you know, people seeing like, oh, you're trying to figure this out, even Mm -hmm. if they don't feel like exactly what you're doing is a fit for them. The honesty around that and the willingness to be open and and to be brave, because I do think it's brave, like people are drawn into that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it, it's, it's also this, this connection piece where like, my, my main point, really, in doing this series is to say, like, it's okay to be a, try to be a professional person in the world, and also have hard stuff happen. And it's really hard to do both and keep all the balls in the air. So let's stop pretending that we can, <laughs> you know, and let's, let's be a little bit more honest about like, 
some days are hard and some days aren't. And that, you know, both of those realities can exist together. Um, you know, I think in this, the, the social media age, we get into this place of like only showing the best stuff. And so, you know, part of my challenge to myself in this is not only showing the good stuff and when things go well, because I do want to share those things because some things do go well. I have a great life in so many ways, but that doesn't make it perfect. And that doesn't mean that you should expect your life to be perfect either. Right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think if I can, if I can connect with others on that, especially, I, you know, I, I especially think about this within the academic community and within the sort of self-employed communities, um, that both of those places have so much stress and stress and pressure put on them to be this like perfect model of an academic or a perfect model of a, you know, self-employed entrepreneur. And you know, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, how do I live up to those expectations? And, you know, you don't, and that's okay too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying diving into this. And like you said, I have no idea where this is going to lead in the future. So we'll see. Uh, but, but who knows, maybe in, you know, six months to a year, I'll look back and be like, Hey, look at all that content marketing I did. <laughs> who knew? <laughs> that's the best part. <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm curious, Sarah, when you are thinking about, I mean, so I want to turn the question back because you had asked me earlier, like how intentional I'm being about this. And and we talked about this Honestly series as not being super intentional for you. Are there other areas, though, where you do feel like you're being more intentional with content marketing, you're doing a little bit of scheduling around it or trying to have some strategy in terms of when you're putting a blog post together or when you're creating a video around a certain topic? Is this something that's kind of an active part of your business right now or has it been an active part in the past? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, a little bit of both. And I, I guess I have more thoughts about how I want it to play out for future things. Um, so as I shift to looking more at um, sort of video production and work, working in digital engagement and thinking about how can organizations and individuals um you know, have an online video presence that works for them in, in their, the way that they need it to work. Um, I think there are definitely some areas that I need to start kind of putting myself out there as a person who knows about those things, because I do. And I, I realize this when I go, when I talk to other people who, you know, this is new to them, or when I go to conferences and see, you know, people presenting on this topic and going, yep, nope, that's all the stuff that I would say too. Um, you know, I, I have some experience in this area. And so as I'm thinking about, as I want to grow into that area more, um, more specifically, I am thinking about what things do I need to be writing about or making videos about or people to talk to and have, you know, whether it's Google Hangout conversations or whatever, uh, you know, that there are pieces there that I want to be more thoughtful about for for uh, for from a content marketing strategy kind of framework. Um, so I have some thoughts on on that angle specifically. As for what I'm doing right now, um, you know, I am being more planful about um, releasing honestly series posts and the sort of corresponding um, sort of social media stuff around that. Um, but there's also a lot happening around the Resilience Toolkit right now that I, I'm also kind of being thoughtful about. Um, so the Resilience Toolkit is a product that uh, I talked about. What would that be? Two seasons ago? Is that? Yeah, is that season where we are? three. Oh I can't believe it. I know. Um, so that that's a product that I built, you know, a year, a uh, year-ish ago now. It's been available and it has gone through so many different iterations. Um 
Katie, I don't think I actually told you. And our podcast listeners are going to hear this just with you for the first time, which is that we came up with a new pricing fra- pricing strategy framework. So well, we now, okay, yeah, that is new news, and it was inspired in large part by you and how you do institutional uh, pricing and that sort of thing. So we now have an individual level, which is just fifteen bucks, and you get access to the videos and the handouts. And then if you want to use it for a discussion or for a group or for a training, that sort of thing, then we have some different pricing structures based on making numbers of copies of things and that sort of thing. So, um, and we've, we're trying it out with a few uh, with a few organizations, and you know that came from them asking about it and wanting that kind of information. Um, and so that those kinds of pieces, again, you don't know where there's a when those are going to happen and where they come from. Um, and so content marketing for me in, in the intentionality piece of it, um, with respect to the resilience toolkit is coming more in my, my public presentations and those sorts of things. So I'm really being thoughtful about how do I make sure when I go in for a talk or when I'm doing something related to this topic, that that is at the front and center that like, Hey, I have this additional resource here. It is. And here's how it's, structured and here's how we want you to use it and you know if you just want to learn for yourself there's a way to do that so um I, I think to answer that question about how am I doing that now it's much more in the in-person world which is a little bit weird for me I'm, I'm usually much more on the internet with things like that but um for this product because I can connect it a lot more coherently to the talks that I give and that sort of thing I, I'm being more thoughtful about how do I how do I um, present not only about the topics and things related in the resilience toolkit, but then leave people wanting more, right? Like that's always the, that's always the um, thing you want to be kind of working towards. And from a marketing perspective is you want, you want them to want to get more from you. <laughs> and so um, I'm being more thoughtful about in- integrating that into presentations. Um, and Katie, that's something I always, I'm always like, amazed and, uh, you know, applaud your efforts in doing that you're able to kind of connect your different pieces of work really seamlessly. Like my brain does not work that way for whatever reason, you know, like I wrote a book on this topic and people have to remind me that I wrote a book on this topic, right? And I'm like, oh, well, it was so long ago. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It was so long ago for me. It was like, I don't know, four or five years ago that I was thinking about this all the time, but it, you know, I, I am not as good at like making those connections. And so for, for me, the focus for content marketing in, especially in that sort of early childhood development kind of side of my business is being more explicit and more thoughtful about those connections between the different pieces of my work and how they fit together. So this is actually a really good point because as you were talking about this, and it's really nice that you say that about how I can make those connections because I was thinking how I've totally failed in content <laughs> marketing in certain areas. And and actually, it's it's an intentional failure. Like I have actively decided not to do like certain kinds of content marketing. So a, a good example of this, I'll take it back to season three as well with Sotal by Design. So I do a monthly newsletter for Sotal by Design where I talk about updates to the course and, you know, I'll mention little resources and things like that. And um, recently I interviewed a couple people who are using the course for faculty development and I'm going to, you know, release some content around that um, so that people can kind of hear directly from others who are using the course. But I could be doing so much more. 
like I could really be trying to set myself up as like an expert in the scholarship of teaching and learning space. I could be putting a bunch of, of stuff out on Twitter. Really what I'm doing is just telling people that I have this product and I'm kind of relying on in some ways the product to sell itself because it has so much content in there Mm -hmm. and because I have a background I have a little bit of a reputation in the field of faculty development that I feel like I can lean on that a little bit but I I wanted to kind of raise this issue because some of the people who are listening to this may also be like you and me multi-potentialites like we have lots of things going on and I can't have a content marketing strategy for every single product that I have. Like it is just not possible. And so I have chosen to do more content marketing around things like radical self-trust because I feel like it has like a ripple effect into some of these other areas. And Soto by Design, I think, is a good example of me using my superpowers, which is a part of radical self-trust to like build out that course and to leverage a lot of my skills and abilities to make that into something that helps people. But I think that that's something else to consider when it comes to content marketing is you might actually decide not to do like strategies for everything because it would just be too much. So I'm, what are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah. I'm over here nodding emphatically. Uh, (laughs) yeah, there's too much to, to market sometimes. Um, but I think your, your point is well taken. Like, we, what areas are you wanting to grow? Because if you're not wanting to grow into the Sotal by Design world and becoming, a, you know, a, a world-renowned expert in that particular niche area, then yeah, it's, it's not worth it to really pour a bunch of your time and energy and resources into only that thing. Um, and I think, you know, your point about being multi-potentialites is really true here too. Like for, for some of our listeners, you might be trying to niche into becoming an expert in one particular area. And if you are, then like, by all means, go gangbusters, like, you know, do, do the things that you're reading in other places about how to do content marketing effectively. But I think Katie, for you and I, as we've always said on this podcast, like we're trying to do this on our own terms and in a way that works for us. And for both of us, because we have so many different things that we're working on and are passionate about, right? I don't want to get shoehorned into one particular area. And so making those connections, you know, being intentional about when I'm, when we're making those connections and when we're not, um, is an important part of that journey for us and is an important part of how we are going about building our businesses and being clear that we do lots of different stuff and that's okay. (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, I also want to be clear just because I'm not doing a content marketing strategy around that product doesn't mean I don't want to grow the product. Mm-hmm. Like I am still actively selling that product, mm-hmm. but I have chosen a different strategy with how to do that. And I've been really intentional about when I do release content around it, what am I releasing and why? So I think that that's the other piece here is that content marketing is one strategy Mm -hmm. among many that you could potentially use. And depending on the kinds of products and services you have, you might want to be leveraging that or not. Mm -hmm. Like it's so I think that it's not a mistake necessarily. And I was just telling you, Sarah, before we jumped on the call, I've had three institutional orders for Sotal by Design in this month alone. Mm -hmm. Like it's not as if the product is not doing okay. Like it's fine. I don't need to do the content marketing right now. And like you said, it is not an area that I want to become like only known in that area. Mm -hmm. And I could go in that direction, but I'm choosing not to. I'm choosing to be known in some other spaces. 
But it doesn't mean that I don't care about that product. Yep. It doesn't mean that I don't want it to be successful. It doesn't mean that it's not being grown mm-hmm. and, and kind of continually nurtured. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's a, an important point is that you might not want something to be kind of in your personal brand, but it doesn't mean that you're not still wanting to sell that product, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think the other piece of this too, is what do you want your, uh, user experience to be like, right? And what do you want your, your client experience to be? And for you and I both, Katie, I think we want the work to really speak for itself and the work to be an example of us in the world, right? And and part of that is brand strategy, maybe. I, I don't know. But I think for both of us, having the work speak for itself and have the work be the thing that people are passing on to other people and saying, oh, this is a really great resource for XYZ, you know, or, oh, you know, I follow Katie or I follow Sarah for really great advice on these particular topics or really great videos or, or podcast information on these kinds of things. Like having that word of mouth kind of stuff to me is so much more valuable because it's it's more likely from where I'm sitting at least right now in 2019, it's more likely that the clients that I'm going to get through warm referrals and, and uh, word of mouth are going to be the kind of clients I'm going to want to work with as opposed to if I was pushing a heavy um, a really heavy strategy in a particular area of my work, I feel like that might change the nature of the clients that I'm getting too. And so I think the, the messages we put out there about how we're doing our work and the type of work that we're doing, it's it's an important part of that relational building. And I know we've talked about this before too, that the, the way we appear online or the way we appear in person has to be a part of the brand and has to be a part of who we are in the work that we're doing. But that connection that we have with clients, like that to me is in in a lot of cases way more important than the actual work or the actual, you know, paycheck or the product um, or the service. It's about that relational piece. And so for both of us, I think showing up authentically in the work that we're doing in all of the ways that we do that sometimes means not having a really rigorous and intensive, you know, content marketing strategy for our different products. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, it's, it's like it, the relational piece is so much about building trust. And I've had people say, I knew I wanted to buy Sotal by Design before I even looked at it because I knew you wouldn't put out something that wasn't stellar. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. they followed me for long enough and they watched the process of me working through it and they trust my work. And even people who are watching me put together new products, it may not be that they want that product for themselves. Like Sotal by Design is a niche product. Mm-hmm. Like I understand that not everybody is going to want to buy it. But if some if they know that someone else is on the market for something like that, they might recommend it to them. Even though they're not buying it themselves, they trust my work. They think it's going to be, you know, a good possibility for, you know, this other person's needs. And they will do that word of mouth sharing. So I think that that's the other piece. Like it's, you know, as much as we say, like, you can't plan and you don't know and, <laughs> you know, all that, I think that is the part you can plan mm-hmm. is, you know, the consistency and the trust building and the genuineness of what you put out that builds those relationships in a way that you are trusting what those people say. And yep. I mean, I can tell you right now, I'm slightly ashamed to admit, I have bought like three different things from people recommending them on Instagram, like in the last month. 
<laughs> because I happened to need those things. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, I trust you. Like, yeah. if you're coming on here, it's not a sponsored post. You just like this thing. Like, okay. Like, I, I will buy it. Like, I, yeah. I bought a vacuum. Like, yeah. I, I bought a thing. Like, I mean, I this has happened to me like three times. And it's part of it is because I just trust, you know, and I'm not, I'm not buying. They have their own products. I'm not buying their products right mm-hmm. now. It doesn't mean I won't buy them in the future. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean, you know, but right now their products are not a fit for me. But I'm loyal to their kind of trust that they built with me mm-hmm. around. I don't think they're going to tell me that something's good if it's not good, especially if it's not sponsored. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think that there's just so much around that part. And I've had several people tell me that they have bought things that I have recommended. Like a lot of people have bought the planner that I use because mm-hmm. <laughs> they like I talk about it a lot. You know, I, I give ideas of how I use it, you know, all those kinds of things. Which, by the way, it is the Get to Workbook. We will put a link to it in the show notes in case you're interested. Um, <laughs> this is not sponsored. Not sponsored. But yeah. not sponsored. Um, hashtag not sponsored. But I think that this is, um, you know, one of those things where you start to build some loyalty with people. And, and they do understand that, like, they want that kind of relationship with you where they are going to, like, buy the things that you're mm-hmm. recommending. And mm-hmm. whether it's a book or, you know, a planner or whatever. So I, I think that there is some planfulness that can kind of happen around that and that you're you're honest with people and you're not telling them to buy stuff that's not good quality mm-hmm. or you're not recommending things that you don't actually use or right whatever right yeah it, it's yeah I agree completely and I think uh one of the things I I do want to kind of touch on a little bit because I think it's an important um maybe message for for listeners especially those who are kind of new to this self-employed world and like what do i do and how do i do this um i want to talk a little bit about how do how do you get started in business in general with respect to content marketing and, and what i mean by that is sometimes i'll talk to people and they're like well how did you start doing this stuff and like how did you get out there as a person who is you know known for these things and my general answer to that is usually you just you just you just do it <laughs> um i was recently, which is not always helpful to which people. is not always helpful but uh but i was recently uh asked to be a part of the the grad blogger um podcast launch uh of a colleague chris Cl- cloney clooney i think uh i've Wow, I should know his name. Sorry, Chris. Uh, <laughs> we'll link to it in the show notes. But um, he's he's really focusing his work now on um, helping other people, especially people in um, graduate field level fields who have a lot of expertise, learn how to blog and podcast and make videos about their topic area and really, you know, become experts in the sort of public internet space in their particular field of study. And I think that's a really great message for people and a really great way to kind of approach this is like, how do you even get started in blogging or whatever? So if you're interested in that sort of thing, uh, gradblogger.com, I believe is the website, but we'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes as well. Um, But I think part of the, the point of that is you do have to just get started. And so if you wanna be an expert in I'll use my topic area because I know it the best. Uh, if you want to become an expert in, you know, child development, child development psychology and helping people think and talk about that in public spaces or in, you know, practical work that they're doing with kids and families, start writing about it. Start sharing the knowledge that you have. Start um, connecting different ideas that you've had about the importance of, you know, early life and what we can do to support it, right? There are, there are so many things, no matter your field, 
that you know that other people don't. <laughs> and so thinking about what are those cool things that I was really excited about when I first started studying this topic or started getting into this thing, what am I thinking about now? What connections am I seeing, you know, with the news or with things that are happening in our world? Like there's so much you can you can talk about with it, within whatever field you're in. Um, and so just kind of starting to put yourself out there in some ways that might feel really uncomfortable right now. Guess what? If you're going to jump into self-employment, it's never going to be super comfortable. <laughs> Turns out it's not comfortable work. Um, but, you know, starting to put yourself out there and, and that is content marketing, right? Like writing some blog posts about your field of study or the thing that you want to kind of get into that is content marketing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that maybe an even easier way of doing it, because I think sometimes when people think about like blogging or whatever, then you're having to draw people to your blog. Then yeah. you're having to, I mean, it's like a whole thing. Um, but I think social media is a great place to do this. Yep. You know, like start talking about, even just start posting links mm -hmm. of other people's work in mm -hmm. a particular area, like just starting to be the person who talks about X topic, mm -hmm. um, putting that in your bio, like follow me for links and resources around mm -hmm. X topic, you know, so people know that that's something you're interested in. And I think that content marketing is really at its root. It's about generosity. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, sharing lots of things that and not really worrying to some extent about what's going to come from it. Right. And this is something that for I mean, the entire I think I've said in other places, like the entire first year of my business was basically giving out free content. Like I did podcasting, I did blogging and I launched, I mean, I was speaking, so I was, you know, getting paid to do that. I was selling books, you know, that kind of thing. But I didn't really launch my first product, which mm -hmm. was a webinar series for like a year. Yeah. I mean, I, I was doing a lot of um, just getting my feet under me. And it's not like that was a plan. It's not like I was like, well, for a year, I'm going to, <laughs> you know, practice doing this until I feel very comfortable with it. And then I will launch my first product. It was not really about that. Mm -hmm. It was just I was doing what felt good to me at the time. Mm -hmm. And then somebody came to me and was like, you're giving away a lot for free. And I was like, yes, I am. Maybe I should sell something. And <laughs> I designed my product. So, I mean, I think that there's a – you can kind of get comfortable with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, do th I do think that there's – you know, podcasting to me is super comfortable now. Like yeah. it is not, It I, I don't feel like I'm putting myself out there in a way that is uncomfortable. Um, so I think that you can kind of get yourself into a place where it, it feels more comfortable. Um, but I also think, you know, when it comes to content marketing, there's just a lot of really small ways you can do it. Mm -hmm. Like, and and it the, all those small things add up into a larger brand or into a larger kind of expert identity of what you're trying to do. And also that kind of naturally then goes into a product or service because people will start to say, do you have anything on this? Do you mm -hmm. have do you have a book on this? Do you have, you know, a resource on this? And then you're like, oh, well, maybe I can create that thing and either give it away for free or I can create that thing and it can be a lead magnet to my newsletter or I can create that thing and do a workshop around it or a webinar or whatever it might be. Like it just, you get ideas because mm -hmm. you see what people are interested in and what they're not. And that's the other really helpful thing about content marketing is you start to see what people are reacting to. Yep. And I think that that's something we haven't really touched on yet in this right. episode, um, but is another important thing of just kind of tracking what are the things that people are really like, you know, you send out a newsletter on a particular topic and you get a ton of emails in response mm -hmm. or you get a lot of traction on Twitter around mm -hmm. this post or whatever. What is it that people are really starting to resonate with? And and that can kind of lead 
you in different directions in terms of what you might do in the future. And I would also like to say that sometimes that has a really long tail. And what I mean by that is uh, you might release something and then years later be getting responses to it in a new and different way that inform how you move forward in a particular direction. Like I'm having that happen a little bit with my, my YouTube videos. So a lot of the videos that I have on my channel, I've had on for how many, how many years have I been doing this now? Four, five? And a lot of those videos from the past are starting to get more traction. Um, I don't know if whether it's shifts in the algorithm. I don't know if it's because they're getting more views and therefore YouTube is feeding it to more people, whether the search terms are becoming especially popular right now. I don't know what it is, but I'm getting um, more hits on things. Um, you know, maybe it's people embedding, embedding it in their blogs or sites or whatever. Um, but that's actually informing, oh, okay, now people are wondering about this particular topic in a different way than they were two years mm -hmm. ago because mm -hmm. the field is changing and because what's available in the public sphere is changing and people are understanding things differently. And so, you know, the content that you put out years ago might still be relevant or be relevant differently today than it was then and can still inform how you're continuing to grow your business. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's a really good vote too, when you think about content marketing, to try to make it evergreen, mm -hmm. to try to make it into something that two years from now, people could read it and be helped by it. And it depends on what your topic is, because th sometimes that's really hard to yeah, do. Like if you're sure. doing something that's like super trendy or whatever, like you, it's, you know, you're going to write something and two weeks later, you know, it's not going to be relevant anymore, but it was super helpful in the moment that you wrote it. Um, and I think about people who are trying to be um, sharing about, you know, new tools on social media or something right. like that. Like right. these things are constantly changing. So, you know, good for them, because that would make me crazy to try to be constantly <laughs> updating that stuff. Um, but I think about, you know, I made intentional choices around Sotal by design, like Sotal is not drastically changing, you know, like there's pretty basic stuff in terms of research design that I can talk about that I'm not going to have to update that every six months. Um, but I also think about other kinds of content marketing that I do. There are podcast episodes I released in the very beginning um, that you could listen to today and would still be impactful mm -hmm. in terms of just tips or strategies that I'm sharing. Um, so I think that that's something else to consider when you're thinking about content marketing is, will it have power or could you leverage it multiple years into the future? Because if you do decide to share it out again on Twitter or something like that, I mean, there was a post, we may have mentioned this on a previous episode, I wrote a post years ago that was like 51 things, you know, for academic writing and every time it got reposted, it just went viral. Like yeah. people loved that post and it was like, okay, you know, like that's a that's something that, you know, people, I don't, I don't even know if they were going to it. Mm -hmm. They just like the idea of a list of 50 things. Like mm -hmm. I, you don't know, like it's uh, the clickbait and whatever. But I mean, I think that there's, you know, you want to be able to leverage stuff in the future if you can. And it's not like you want to just create content, have it go into a black hole. And then you, it's, it's not a hamster wheel, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it, you're building on, mm -hmm. you're not just like constantly creating new stuff for the purpose of creating new stuff. Yeah, and I think that's a really helpful framework, especially when you're kind of in the weeds a little bit with content marketing, because it's a lot of work to create new content. Like whether you're podcasting or blogging or video making, like it can be a ton of work. And so I don't want to, you know, minimize that, but when you're thinking about the stuff that you're creating and and the amount of time that you're putting into it, remember that like the eight 
eight hours, whatever you put in, or 10, 12, 20 hours you put in on crafting this thing to make it the best it could be, like that could pay off literally five years from now. <laughs> so you're, you're yeah. making an investment, right? It, and, you know, sometimes the trade-off is not worth it, depending on the week you're having or the month or whatever else is going on in your life. But sometimes the trade-off really is. And also sometimes you're just not going to know. Like the things that you think are going to hit great are, are sometimes total duds. <laughs> and the things that you were like, well, I just made this because it was on my mind that people really resonate with. Like you said, Katie, your, your post about mm-hmm. tips for academic writers. Like you you don't necessarily know what other people are going to resonate with or what they're going to want to share and, and go back to. Um, and so, you know, keep creating the stuff that, that you're drawn to, but also continue to listen to your audience. And we've talked about that on the podcast before too, that you've got to have that, that feedback and kind of be aware of where are your people and what are they doing and what do they, what do they want more of? Mm -hmm. So one more thing that I would add to this as we're kind of starting to wrap up is look at the content that you really like. Yep. Because I always look to like, what am I drawn to and why? Mm-hmm. And what is the, you know, newsletter that I always like to open? Or what is the Instagram stories account that I always click on? Even if I if I can't, if I don't have time to look at anyone else's stuff, I yep. want to look at this person's stuff. Um, you know, what is it that they're doing that has really drawn me in and that's really successful? And it's not necessarily that I am going to emulate everything that I see because sometimes people do stuff that I can't emulate. Like they have a cute kit or whatever. Right. Like that's not going to happen for me. Um, but there may be other things they're doing in terms of storytelling or, you know, other kinds of um, elements that I'm like, okay, I that makes sense. And I can apply that to my work. So that's something else that I think is really useful is to look at the content strategy of other brands or other people that you think are doing it really well Mm -hmm. and try to pull it apart. Try to be like, what are they doing? How frequently are they posting this? Um, And it also, the other thing I think to keep in mind too is because of all the crazy algorithms with social and you can post things all over the place and it doesn't necessarily mean that people are seeing it. So you have to be, I think, you know, somewhat strategic in terms of how you're getting things out there. And it's actually... I appreciate when someone, I had someone come up to me this past week and they said, you know, I I saw you talk about this thing. I'm not, I don't remember where I saw you talk about it. Mm. And I'm like, well, that means that they're seeing me on multiple channels. Like they're, they're listening to the podcast. They're seeing me on social. They might be on my newsletter. Good. Like Mm -hmm. they saw it somewhere is Mm -hmm. the point, or they saw it enough that Mm -hmm. they felt like they needed to kind of talk to me about it or that they were interested in inquiring about it. So I think that there's, you know, some strategy there in terms of just kind of making sure that you're getting things out in a couple different ways so that people can actually interact with it. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And that's always a challenge. It's a challenge for me at least because it's once I do a thing, I forget that I did the thing. We were talking about this earlier. Like, oh yeah, I wrote a book on that. I should probably talk about that. Right. Like once it's off my At some point, Sarah, you you will have to outsource this. I know. (laughs) I need somebody else to tell me what I'm good at. Um, But there are times when it's, when you just, because it's off your to-do list, you're not thinking yeah. about it. You're not necessarily aware of it. And so sometimes it's a struggle for me past that first week or two of a releasing something to remember like, oh yeah, I had a thing about that. I should reshare that because that was yeah. a great piece of content, you know, six months ago. It probably would play well again now or, or, Well, and you know. this is why I think having the content strategy, like 
because you're like, oh, Katie, you're good at that. It's because I'm doing it in advance. I'm not in the moment, <laughs> yeah. like making those connections. Yeah. I'm thinking in advance and saying, okay, what do I want to talk about? And even when I outline a podcast episode, like I'll make little notes if there's something that I've talked about previously that I, I think. And oftentimes I'll say, I think I've talked about this previously. And then I have to go look it up because yeah, I don't funny. remember. Like I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I can't, I can't keep track. But the other thing too, that I think is, um, I'm running into a lot lately with my own content that's been really interesting is people will be like, oh, I just found your podcast. It's really great. And I'm like, which one are you listening to? (laughs) (laughs) Or they'll be like, oh, I just read your book. You know, I I really loved it. It was really practical. And I'm like, which Which book did you read? (laughs) I I mean, it's kind of weird, but it's like there in the same way of what you're describing, like I have so much out there now Mm -hmm. that I don't know what people are connecting to. And and so I I do need to kind of dig a little bit in those conversations to try to understand like, what is it that people have found and that that's useful, but it it is important to do that. Mm -hmm. Like to, to really try to understand like, what did they encounter that I put out there? How did they encounter it? What questions do they have around that? You know, are there other things that I could offer as a resource that might be useful? Mm-hmm. Um, and the more content you have, like you are juggling like that, it, whether it's books or podcast episodes or whatever, like it's a little tricky sometimes to make sure that you are kind of keeping all those things in mind and connecting them for people and not just letting them gather dust because, yeah. you know, they are really useful once you have that backlog of things. Yep. It's true. Uh, to the backlog. All right. Anything else before we wrap up? I don't think so. That's a pretty good content marketing strategy. We didn't get too too much into calendaring, but maybe that's a future episode. Perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe that is a, a future conversation we can have. All right. Well, we'll leave that open to our listeners. If you have questions about what we talked about today, feel free to contact us. The easiest way is through my email, contactatkatylinder.work. Um, and we would love to hear about your ideas for future episodes, things you want us to be talking about. Um, and until then, uh, oh, and you can find the show notes at uh, also katielinder.org slash podcast if you want to see any of the show notes from Make Your Way, if there was anything we talked about today that you want to follow up on. Sounds so good. Sarah, until next time. Until next time. We'll, good we'll, to talk We'll talk, talk with more you. marketing stuff, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make Your Way. Show notes and a transcript for this episode can be found at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Make Your Way is part of the Radical Self-Trust podcast channel, a collection of content dedicated to helping you seek self-knowledge, nurture your superpowers, playfully experiment, live your core values with intention, practice loving kindness toward yourself and others, and settle into your life's purpose. Learn more about the RST channel at katielinder.work slash podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please also consider rating and or reviewing the show in iTunes. Thanks for listening.